The Opportunities for Fairness in Farming Act was introduced this session by a group of senators looking to make changes to agricultural checkoff programs. Vice President of Government Affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Ethan Lane, says there's more to it. He joins us on the phone this week. I'm Sabrina Halverson, and this is the Agnet Weekly. Let's go to the phone with Ethan Lane. Thanks for joining us. All right, thank you. So I wanted to chat with you today about this bill that's been reintroduced, the Checkoff Reform Legislation, Opportunities for Fairness in Farming Act. Can you start out by letting our listeners know a little bit about what this bill is, and then we'll talk about what NCBA thinks of it? Yeah, this is a bill that has been introduced in uh, the last few Congresses um, by a, a kind of strange, uh, uh, otherwise, uh, uh, you know, wouldn't see them on the same bill kind of group of le- legislators uh, ranging from uh, Cory Booker uh, uh, from New Jersey, obviously a, a vegan uh, senator from New Jersey uh, who is curiously interested in how uh, you know protein uh, protein industry groups promote their product, um, as well as some folks on the far right that I, I like Mike Lee and uh, Rand Paul, um, who I have also taken an interest in these checkoff programs over the years. Uh, this bill gets introduced every Congress. Um, it never really gains support beyond these kind of disparate interests with uh, kind of varying uh, uh, reasons why they don't like uh, uh, agricultural commodity checkoff programs. Um, but it never really goes anywhere. It, it sort of gets introduced and then, uh, and then kind of sits in the background like, like a lot of other bills that, that don't have a lot of support in Congress. So this would, um, you know, actually what I would like to do is read to you a couple of quotes off of the news release that they sent out and then have you just respond to them if we can. Would that be all right? Sure. So they explain in their in their news release about this, uh, they say checkoffs are mandatory Department of Agriculture fees assessed on a per unit basis that funds boards designed to promote the commodity as a whole, which we know. However, they say checkoff funds are frequently co-opted against the interests of some or even a majority of contributors. Countless farmers, ranchers, and other producers have seen their checkoff dollars squandered or used against their interests. So what would you say to that? Well, you know, we hear that a lot, and the, and the fact is that's simply not the case. I, checkoff dollars are highly scrutinized. They're audited on a continuous basis by the Cattlemen's Beef Board in the case of the, of the beef checkoff um, to ensure that the nine contractors uh, that, that uh, receive funding for various projects uh, from the Cattlemen's Beef Board are using that money appropriately. Uh, that money is paid to those contractors in arrears. Uh, after the work is done, those contractors pay for that work out of their own pockets and then seek reimbursement from the Cattlemen's Beef Board for, for those expenses in, in what is a highly audited, highly controlled, highly regulated, and highly public process. Um, those funds aren't used for uh, member priorities of trade associations. They are used for the specific contracts that the Cattlemen's Beef Board uh, awards. So there, there's, a, there's a misunderstanding or a misconception out there uh, amongst uh, some folks that, that somehow these funds bleed into other activities, but uh, there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of firewall work that's put into place to ensure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is their current checkoff system, excuse me, the current checkoff system does not provide enough transparency to our farmers on how, on how their hard-earned dollars are used. What would you say? You know, I, yeah, I, I mean, that, that the process is, 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 very transparent. It's 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 held in in uh, the meetings are held in, in such a way as producers uh, can come and watch those processes unfold. 
The Cattlemen's Beef Board appointed by the Secretary of Agriculture is made up of producers from across the country, from different segments of agriculture, um, from, from different perspectives. Uh, they're not tied to industry groups. So you have folks that aren't affiliated with any trade associations. You have folks that are affiliated with RCAF. You have folks that are affiliated with U.S. Cattlemen. You have folks that are affiliated with NCBA. But those are all independent of their work uh, serving on the Cattlemen's Beef Board. Uh, so, so this is uh, uh, this is a, 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 a you know a highly a, a highly transparent process that ensures that it's producers that are in the driver's seat directing where those beef promotion and research dollars are spent. Mm-hmm. And then the final quote, um, and then I have some other questions, but the last quote does actually come from Bill Bullard with RCAF. He said in this news release, the decades-old beef checkoff program is ill-suited to meet the needs of today's cattle farmers and ranchers. Well, I, I, you know, I would just ask. Uh, Mr. Bullard to to explain why beef demand is so high and has continued to be so high uh, over the past few years. Uh, you know, we, we always hear this criticism that the beef checkoff isn't effective, but um, we've been enjoying uh, record high beef demand for, for quite some time now, uh, even despite quite a bit of economic fluctuation in the economy. Uh, the, the, the fact is that there is growing and sustained interest in beef. Uh, consumers are, are, are liking what they see. They're looking for more of it. Um, and the beef checkoff and the promotion that they do uh, is a big part of that. So I, I, I just don't really, uh, I don't know that there's any evidence to support that. The, the simple fact is we have surging beef demand both here and around the world, and the beef checkoff uh, deserves a lot of credit for that. Let's talk a little bit about 2021. And there was, a, as you mentioned earlier, this is not the first time this type of situation has come up or this type of proposal has come up. 2021, there was a referendum to end the checkoff. And how did cattle producers respond to that from NCB? perspective? You know, th- there was a referendum and, and that was put in front of producers from coast to coast repeatedly over, I believe, 18 months. They had uh, not only uh, the full amount of time from the Department of Agriculture to secure signatures on that referendum, but they were given an extension uh, of more time to try to capture those signatures. Uh, and and the, uh, the result was less than 5% of, of producers elected to uh, lend their name to that petition. Um, so far below the threshold needed to, to trigger a referendum. Um, so that kind of speaks for itself that the vast majority of producers out there are pleased with the work the checkoff is doing. They're pleased with that investment and they're pleased with the results. Um, so uh, this is something that's been put in front of cattle producers from coast to coast very recently. Uh, and and we, we have, that, we have that, uh, uh, that lack of engagement on that referendum uh, to, to show for it. And it, it brings up a lot of questions and I'm not sure that with journalistic integrity, I can ask all of them. But why would this issue then continue to be brought up when it's already been shown that it's not actually something that cattle producers are interested in? And and that might be a completely unfair question to the the other side because of making assumptions, but it seems like cattle producers had their say. There, There is no higher priority for the animal rights community than eliminating animal agriculture's ability to promote its own products. If you want to end animal agriculture in this country, you start by making sure that they can't promote their products. So somebody like Senator Booker from New Jersey, who is a, 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 he is a, he is a vegan, he is a, a close ally of the Humane Society of the United States and PETA and other radical animal, anti-animal agriculture groups, has championed this issue year after year. The same for Representative Dina Titus from, uh, from Nevada, also 
uh, a, a close ally of the radical animal rights community. Uh, same goes for Nancy Mace, quite frankly, from, uh, from South Carolina, also a close ally of the radical animal rights community. Uh, this is, this is uh, uh, pretty obvious when you look at who is pushing this bill, what their agenda is. This is the top priority for the radical animal rights agenda to shut down industry's ability to promote itself. And as more things like this are being introduced, it seems like we're gravitating toward more legislation like this with that kind of an undercurrent. What do you suggest? How, how should animal or, you know, livestock producers fight this? You know, I, I think first and foremost, uh, producers speaking up and, and making their, their, their feelings known is a critical part of this process. Because if they don't, and look, we're, we're an industry that, that is spread wide throughout the country, right? Um, and, and producers don't typically want to make themselves uh, visible in the, in the media or elsewhere. But if they don't use their voice to, to talk about their feelings on these issues, someone else is going to speak for them. And, and that's part of the problem that we see, right, is, you know, people who, who uh, don't speak for large organizations, you know, I, I don't, I, I have a policy book passed by grassroots members from across the country, and, and anything that I say publicly, like in an interview like this, is, is directed by their feelings, not my own. Um, and, and it's important that producers use those avenues to get those voices out there, because otherwise there are going to be people out there claiming to speak for them uh, who, who, who may not have their best interests at heart. Can we talk just a little bit more about what the checkoff program does and why you see it as being a valuable tool for producers? Sure. You know, the, 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 the Cattlemen's Beef Board administers those funds every year looking for the best projects possible to promote beef, to, to provide research that talks about beef's role in the diet, that talks about how beef is raised, the sustainability of that product. Um, these are things that if the industry didn't come together to, to fund, uh, might go unfunded, period, right? So when you look at the avenues that we have to sell that product. They go through uh, multinational packers that are also multi-protein. And those are uh, entities that, you know, want to sell beef, but they also want to sell chicken. They want to sell pork. They want to sell fake meat in many cases. Um, you know, they're an important part of that supply chain, but we can't rely as the cattle industry on the end of our supply chain to be the advocate for beef specifically. And the same goes for the other proteins that are playing in that same space, not to mention other ag commodities that, that uh, utilize commodity checkoff programs. Uh, it's incredibly important that the industry uh, have some resources available to make sure that we're telling our own story. And that's what the Cattlemen's Beef Board and, uh, and the Beef Checkoff does. They, they, they review proposals from throughout the industry from different groups. They look at what is needed uh, out there on the promotion landscape at any one time, and they award those contracts accordingly. Uh, to make sure that on a year-over-year basis, consumers out there are getting the right message about beef, they're getting the best possible face of the U.S. beef industry, um, and that that's being done at scale so that we can compete with the community out there that is seeking to shut the cattle industry down. In an effort of, of fairness, let's say, for that 5% who did vote in 2021 for the referendum, um, or for, for people who may think that there does need to be some changes, what should they do? Is there... Um, you know, is there a route that they can take to suggest changes to a checkoff? 
Well, certainly, I, I think that they, they utilized that route, right? I mean, that's, that's why I think when that referendum was introduced, uh, what, what you saw from NCBA was, and I forget the exact way it was worded, but essentially it was, hey, producers need to, need to uh, voice their opinion however they see fit. If they feel like it's time for a referendum, then they should vote that way. Um, so, you know, I think that is, the, that is the process. But beyond that, I mean, there's no substitute for getting involved. This is this is producer directed, and those producers that show up and, and involve themselves in their in their their state beef councils and in and in the national conversation, um, and and work to to get on to the cattlemen's beef board or uh, whatever different you know avenue that might be. Uh, those are producers who have taken time out of their schedules and their own operations at home because it's important to them to to put their input into the into the system. So, I mean, there's just no substitute for showing up and, and, and voicing, your, voicing your thoughts in the conversation. If you stay home and, and voice it on Facebook, um, that's simply not going to have the same effect as showing up to the meeting and, and putting your voice on the record. So what do you think will happen now with this bill? Um, I, as you mentioned very early in the interview, there's a lot of bills that get put out there and then nothing really comes of them. What do you expect to come from this one? And uh, do you think that it's going to be something that continues to, we, that we'll continue to hear about? Well, I, I don't think that the proponents of this bill are going away anytime soon. I mean, they are pretty, uh, they're pretty firm in their agenda to derail animal agriculture and, and, and shut that down as a business. Um, so we're going to keep seeing this come up year after year after year. Uh, you know, I remind people that the Humane Society of the United States has about $150 million policy budget. Um, they have a lot of money to spend, and the folks that fund those operations very much want to see an end to animal agriculture. So these people aren't going anywhere anytime soon. It's why it's so important that we as an industry stand together and make sure that we're doing everything we can to not only protect the industry but, but advance it. Um, and you do that by standing together. You do that by making sure that everyone's coordinating and working together and, and, and thinking about the future of the industry, whether that's on the policy side where I work or on the other side of that firewall uh, where folks are working on beef promotion and research through the checkoff. All right, Ethan. Is there anything that I should have asked you and I didn't or um, anything else that you would like for our listeners to know? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I think that we covered it all. I appreciate your time. You bet. Thank you once again to Ethan Lane, the Vice President of Government Affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. This is the Agnet Weekly. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Thanks for tuning in.